CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, February 18th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 sponsored this program, as well as the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben, let's hear that song of the day. All right, let's just go with the, uh, the one I had been singing. Tie a yellow ribbon around the oak tree. Hey, it's been too... <laughs> Who sang that song? No one cares. Frank, who sang? Dawn. Tony Orlando and Dawn. There you go. Thank you, Frank. Do you want young people listening? <laughs> yeah. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now. <laughs> it is Tuesday, February 18th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarowski Show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masovo returns. We welcome back political strategist, Justin Horowitz, and we're talking all things Mardi Gras with the Mardi Gras man, Jimmy Banos. And now your host, not the Mardi Gras man. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. We're calling this breaking news Tuesday. That's the news breaking. And here's why. Sounded like a power washer. Good week. You have a good weekend, D? Yeah, two days ago. (laughs) I had a good weekend. I saw the assistant so-so movie. Overrated. In fact, just don't. You know, false advertising made me think it was going to be this real suspenseful thriller, and it was kind of boring. Anyway. Saw the NBA All-Star Game. I went to my friend's house, drove up there. And while I was driving up there, D, uh, I I heard this song on the radio, an old Neil Young song I hadn't heard in years. uh, Yes, Only Love Can Break Your Heart. And uh, it was like, I hadn't heard this song in years. It's a line that goes, I have a friend I've never seen. He hides his head inside. And I thought they said tree. And so like for an hour, I'm like, why would he hide his head inside of a tree? And guess what, D? Turns out I misheard. It was dream. All right. <laughs> this is our opener, huh? Yeah, man. I just had to get that out. Anyway, watch the uh, NBA All-Star Game. And what I was stunned by is how much stuff I have in my head about Chicago politics. For instance, Common was up there. He was uh, introduced to players, the great rap star from the south side of Chicago. His mother was on the school board. Rom appointed her to the school board. She was a big charter school advocate. I was like, that's what I was thinking about. A chance to rap her t- uh, supported Amar Enya in the last mayoral race. He's up there rapping. That's what I could think about. Uh, Donnie Trump, the trumpet player for Chance to Rapper. His dad, his old friend, Craig, there's your son. Anyway, that was what I did Sunday. Woke up today, and what did I discover? Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. Donald John Trump, there were two breaking news. Donald John Trump has apparently commuted Governor Rod Blagojevich's uh, sentence, and Rod's coming home. That's why I was singing, tie a yellow ribbon around the old tree. 
And folks, I love this. I'm delighted by this news. Uh, I believe it actually happened. Uh, the first person who told me about it was uh, Dr. D. He sent me a, a Facebook message that we got. And at that time, it was like, well, he's expected to uh, commute the sentence. And now the New York Times has broken the news that he has actually commuted the sentence. And Brian was r- rushing in here. The uh, Sun-Times uh, IT guru was saying that uh, Bogoyevich could be home as, uh, as soon as tonight, that reporters and photographers are going out to his house, just like old days. Back when he was first arrested in 2008, they're going out to his house off of Wilson Avenue uh, in the Ravenswood Manor area, not far from where young Dennis lives, by the way, uh, about a half a block uh, east of it. Uh, excuse me, a half a mile east of it. Anyway, and they're going to surround and wait for what Pearls of Wisdom Brogojevich has to say. I love this on several levels. Uh, number one, I've said all along, I thought it was an outrageously uh, high sentence uh, for the crime that he committed. 14 years is what he got. I believe he spent about seven years in, in federal prison in Colorado. Number one. I hope I, I hope there's a second reason. Uh, uh, it was an outrageously high sentence, uh, and it was largely a, a punishment for Rod Blagojevich because he gave two middle fingers high to the entire uh, criminal justice system, if you will, here in, uh, uh, in, in, in Chicago, Cook County, uh, the prosecutors, the judges, the whole notion that, uh, that they could dare to prosecute for him. He felt he was innocent. So he just, he just acted bold and contemptuous of them all along, and they punished him for his his behavior. So it really wasn't punishing him for the crime that he committed. They were punishing him for his uh, behavior. And that behavior is norm with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is taking pages from the Rod Bogoyevich playbook. Uh, and that's the other reason I like this. The utter hypocrisy of the Republican Party. For years and years and years, they cut their deals with Chicago Democrats, powerful Chicago Democrats, like Mayor Richard Daley, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, Alderman Ed Burke. And then every now and then to show that they were pure, they would throw like a sacrificial lamb. Uh, They would sacrifice a lamb like uh, Rob Blagojevich. Not that he's innocent like a lamb, but then they would just fire themselves up with this just puffed up sense that they're reformers, that they're cleaning up corruption by going after Blago, uh, when in fact it's the, the stuff that's legal that's outrageous, like the Tribune today. Great story by Hal Dardick about the Chicago TIF deal and how the whole thing is rigged to justify giving them the TIF uh, even before they've got it. So you might want to read that story. That's the legal stuff in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois that happens with bipartisan support, big-time Democrats, big-time Republicans, and then they'll take some guy like Blago, or they'll take some guy like Marty Sandoval, or they'll take some guy like Louis Arroyo with some petty crimes, some handoffs. I'm not justifying the crimes. I'm just saying in relation to the, uh, the ongoing stuff that's legal, I don't even think it's as bad as the stuff like the TIF deals that go out to big-time developers that don't need it. Anyway, they make such a big deal. Oh, the corrupt Democratic Party. How do we clean up corruption? They're always going after Madigan. So I love it, man. What's the Tribune going to do now? Tribune Chicago, The editorial board of the Chicago Tribune has been going after Blago uh, for, what, 10 years, 12 years? You know, he's been like, oh, Blago is the reason everything's bad in the state of Illinois. And then they shifted gears. They try to they try to stick Blago, uh, the Blago controversy on Pritzker in order to reelect uh, Bruce Rauner. You remember that? The tapes between Blago and Pritzker. Remember how they were trying to puff that up like there was something wrong with Pritzker because they had these tape calls. It's a selective uh, leaking of the tape calls. That was a, a very interesting uh, how all of a sudden the Tribune was leaking these calls. 
didn't work. Why didn't work? Because Donald John Trump cut him off at the knees by talking about commuting uh, Donald uh, Blagojevich's sentence. And so all of a sudden, those MAGA hatters in Illinois, they just follow the command of the leader. You know, for years, they were led to believe that Bogoyevich is the symbol of all that's evil and corrupt in the state of Illinois. And now their leader, their fearless leader, Donald Trump, is telling them, no, Blago was railroaded by the same federal prosecutors who were railroading me, Donald John Trump. So now the MAGA hatters are having to think shift on a dime. Oh, my God. Well, the president says that Blago was railroaded. I got to go with the president. So I'm just really going to get a kick out of reading the Tribune tomorrow because on one hand, they want to be outraged, outraged and shocked that Blago would be released from prison before he served his full 14 years. On the other hand, they're kind of MAGA hat wearers themselves. Remember their, remember their whole attitude about Trump and the phone call with the Ukraine president? Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, one hand, some people said it was a quid pro quo. On the other hand, well, Trump says it wasn't. So I don't know. We'll just pass it along and go on with our business and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, they don't want to alienate Donald Trump either. So I'm just going to love watching them squirm uh, the hypocrisy of the Republican Party in the state of Illinois where they pretend like the corruption is the stuff that petty corruption that Democrats do. Big time corruption happens all along. All by handouts to powerful corporations. They're all part of the deal to get Amazon to come to Chicago. Amazon didn't need that money. You tell me, taxpayers, what's more corrupt given what? Over $2 billion to the world's richest company that they don't need? Uh, so that they could build in an area that's already gentrifying? Or what? Rob Bogoyevich on the phone trying to cut a deal with the Obama administration uh, to who to see to, to swap something for uh, him appointing a, a replacement to Trump uh, to uh, Obama for Senate. So come on. We all know the hypocrisy that's going on. I'm going to really get a kick uh, out of listening to the Republicans try to spin their, their way out of this one. The other breaking news, not as significant in our little universe of Illinois and Chicago, but pretty, pretty, pretty significant, to quote Larry David. Oh, you still watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, yes, huh? very good. Uh, by the way, you notice I'm wearing my red uh, hat today? Yeah, the one that looks like a mega hat. Yeah, in honor of Trump for uh, oh, getting... Jesus Christ. <laughs> And that's our last Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, in honor of Trump for commuting Blagos. I'm wearing the red hat. Uh, anyway, this one, I love this one broke at the same time. I'm going to call it up. It was in the uh, New York Times. It probably is not going to get nearly the play here in Illinois and Chicago that the Blago one is. Bloomberg surges in poll and qualifies for next Democratic debate. Michael Bloomberg will appear on stage with his rivals for the first time on Wednesday night after a national poll showed him with 19% of the vote. 19% of the vote! The Democrats are following the Terry Cosgrove adage. Put your big boy pants on and go with the billionaire. Go with the guy who can pay for the campaign. I've got mixed feelings about this. Yes, I am of the Bernie persuasion. Yeah, everybody knows that. I'm a Bernie guy. I supported Bernie in 2016. I support him now. Uh, on the other hand, I've been saying all along, if I were a moderate centrist Democrat, which I'm not, but if I were, I would go with Bloomberg. Because if you're a moderate centrist Democrat, really, like, you don't really have an ideology. You don't have a world. You have a general opinion. You have know, like general opinions about what you believe in, but you don't want to take too strong of a stand because you're worried about alienating the next group. So you kind of like always trying to find some even position, middle of the road position that will sail through. 
Uh, so, you know, you go with Bloomberg. Yeah, so he was a Republican, uh, uh, you know, when the century began. Yeah, okay, so he endorsed George W. Bush. Yeah, okay, so he's for stop and frisk. Yeah, okay, so he said some outrageous things about women. Yeah, okay, but... Did I tell you he's got uh, $59, $60 billion and he can self-finance his campaign and uh, pay for nonstop commercials and uh, Facebook ads? Man, <laughs> Democrats aren't stupid. They're like, hmm, you know, I think I'll go with that guy. I think I'll go with Bloomberg's at 19%. So it'll be really interesting. We're going to be following this one, folks. It'll be really interesting. Can Bloomberg make any kind of a pivot that convinces people like me or Dr. D or many of our uh, Miles Conflassen, I'm thinking of all the Maya who'd be coming in here one third. Can he possibly make some sort of a pivot that would uh, win us over? Obviously, he's not going to win us over in the primary, but can he keep the Bernie supporters uh, supporting the Democratic Party even if he's the head? Can, uh, by the way, they the Democrats avoid a huge uh, a floor fight at the convention, a brokered convention. I don't know, man, but I'll tell you what. It looks as though all those centrists have been taking my advice, D. You know, remember, you don't know feel bad about all this? Uh, Pete Buttigieg. You know, it's like all the time, but people are like, oh, he's such a young, earnest man. I, I like his voice. He's really good at the debates. Well, suddenly, they're, they're, boom, they're stampeding away from Buttigieg. How about Amy Klobuchar? Man, Bill Maher. Well, Bill, remember how he was talking up Amy Klobuchar? I love Klobuchar, people. Okay. <laughs> he ditching her, but he's, okay. okay, people. <laughs> Bloomberg. Okay. Man. What do they say about the first to desert? Uh, the last to desert a, sh a sinking ship. Anyway, I love desserts. Uh, it looks like they're all running to Bloomberg. As I kind of knew they would. We got a great show today, everybody. We're talking politics, politics, politics. Oh, my goodness. Maya will be here. She's probably going to be walking in in about 10 minutes. I know she's going to have a lot to say about Blago and Bloomberg and our May, our March 3rd uh, appearance at Promontory. Man, that's going to be a fun night. It'll be um, a Super Tuesday. That'll be the first night that uh, Bloomberg's in the race. So we'll get a sense of how much support he's actually getting at the polls. Um, I'll be here. Justin Horowitz will be here, political guru. Uh, he's ready. I already talked to him, man. He's so fired up about the Blago and Bloomberg. He's a Bernie guy, D. I don't know if you know that. He's a Bernie guy. So it'll be interesting what his thoughts are about Bloomberg making uh, his inroads. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Battles, we're going to take a little uh, break from politics in the last 15 minutes of the show. Uh, do a little Mardi Gras talk. I guess there's going to be food here in the studio. Dr. T is real excited about that. You're kidding me. Food? Yep. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Right. Denise O'Neill will be here to help us uh, eat the food and talk about Mardi Gras. So plenty of talk ahead, a lot of political talk. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie, with the news. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, live stream chat room. I don't know what's going on with the video. It seems like you guys are fine with it, though. You can listen to the show and look at that little logo we got there. Ben laughing and me looking like a goofball. So... <laughs> Enjoy. I'll try and fix it as today's show rolls along. All so, right. So if you can't see it, I'm wearing my red uh, hat, my red bulls hat in uh, honor of Donald bulls Trump. Hat. Bulls hat. Not it's, MAGA hat. No, not MAGA hat. But it's an honor of Trump commuting a Blago sentence. All right. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Well, it was a slow news day. Mm -hmm. It's about 11.45. Ching, ching, ching. Mark your calendars, people. February 18th, 2020, the day Donald Trump finally did something decent. That's correct. 
ABC News has reported that President Donald Trump is expected to commute in prison former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich's 14-year prison sentence. The timing of Blagojevich's actual release from prison uh, is not certain, but the process is expected to move quickly. So quickly, in fact, that I think he's out by now, right? Well, it says Trump grants clemency to three white-collar criminals and ex-governor, so he already did it. He was a good contestant on that show. I loved him. <laughs> Best decision you ever made, Blago, going on that stupid show, huh? Oh, yes, it was a good decision. Prior to presidential action, Blagojevich was looking at a release date of May 2024. Shout out to our friends currently watching or listening over on the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat. Live stream chat, what's going on? We got Sage Unknown. He's a new uh, live stream chatter on the program. What's happening, Sage? Ro, Brianna, Bruce, Bruce, all of you. Uh, I'm going to pose a question to you, and uh, we'll try and read your responses uh, at the end of this segment or throughout today's program. Here's the question. What's the first thing Rob Blagojevich does after being released? What's the first thing? I say he's getting some of that recreational legalized <laughs> reefer. Well, it's legal in uh, Colorado. Either that or he's going to Arby's ASAP. Uh, no, I, I think the reefer. I think you're right about the reefer. <laughs> in Colorado, they were way ahead of the game. By the way, can we give a shout out to Pat Rod? Yeah. He was the one who broke the story for our, in our little universe. You're the man, Pat Rod. Thank uh, you. Pat Rod sent a image of a, uh, what was it, Channel 7? Was it Breaking News? Yep. And he sent put that on Facebook. Dr. D sent it to me. Uh, I immediately sent it out to, like, everybody, every political junkie. I know, and I know a lot of political junkies. And none of them knew about it. So, Pat Rod, you Broke the news. Uh, Mark Sims says he's going to hop in his car, drive out to Colorado, pick him, pick up uh, Blagojevich himself and drive him back to Illinois. What's the first thing he does, everybody? He's going to have know. a press conference. <laughs> he loves press conferences, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be jacked, probably lifting weights and stuff there in oh, jail. I never thought about it. He was running. I saw there was a picture of him. Yeah. Ridiculous 14 years. Give me a break. God dang. First thing Trump's done I've ever agreed with. All right. From Illinois governor's past. To present, no public event scheduled for Governor Jebediah Bartholomew Pritzker. <laughs> I think it's John Robert. No, but that's funny. No public event scheduled, but we've now settled into 2020 here in Illinois, and I think it's safe to say that the days of getting absolutely nothing accomplished are behind us. Yay for our teachers! Uh, Yay for our teachers! Man, thanks for nothing, Bruce Rauner. Tribune's favorite uh, governor. Legalized recreational cannabis has become a reality. It's been pretty cool, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. We're at least trying to put a stop to all that damn dirty corruption in Illinois. More on that in moments. And by God, we have quite possibly the best 2020 State Fair summer concert lineup in the <laughs> country featuring LL Cool J, Toby Keith, and Puddle of Mud. But what about the 2020 Illinois state budget? On Wednesday, the governor will deliver his budget address to the public. And thanks to the Chicago Sun-Times and one Tina Sfondella as well, we got a little sneak peek preview of what to expect. Mm -hmm. Sfondella's writes, or types, Governor J.B. Pritzker's second-year budget will include a $147 million increase in funding for the Department of Children and Family Services to boost staffing and increase support for investigations. The governor also plans to increase the agency's headcount to 3,056 employees, up from 2,758 employed in 2018. That's intended to reduce caseloads for overwhelmed investigations and to boost staffing at a hotline set up to receive calls about cases of child abuse and neglect. Pritzker's budget also proposes funding a third simulation lab in Illinois to help train investigators on finding signs of abuse and neglect. Yeah, that's clever. 
good uh, releasing, selective releasing of information by the Pritzker. They know how to play the game. Right. So there's a budget coming down. It's, uh, you know, they want to make sure that they're on top of all the issues. So they figure out uh, what's the best issue to lead with, uh, uh, you know, uh, DCFS. But uh, can I just go back to Blago for a moment? Can I just I know we're I got a feeling it's going to happen a lot today. So just go ahead. I just listening, you know, to. OK, let me back up. Just listen to your story about uh, how Pritzker operates. He's a far better governor, uh, obviously, than Rauner, who's a complete and utter failure uh, as a governor who used his position of power to try to destroy collective bargaining rights uh, in Illinois and failed, was cheered on by like this extreme right wing, like the Chicago Tribune's editorial board and uh, various other, uh, you know, Republican funded uh, think tanks, et cetera. But, uh, but even Blago, even Blago, Blanco was sort of a wacky governor, you know what I mean? And many, he really was Trump before Trump. He just, uh, he tried it to, he did, the, the huge disadvantage he had uh, over what Trump has is that he, Blago, did not have direct access to the people the way Trump does with Twitter. Blago, there was no Twitter back in the Blago days. And so he had to rely on the media uh, to help him broadcast his message, and the media couldn't stand him. I can tell you that for personal. I didn't like the guy either, although I did believe the 14 years was outrageous. I've said it a million Watch times. Watch your hands on that desk. Oh, God, I'm feeling uh, so excited about this, feeling my inner Sergio Mims. So I... Uh, when I listen, to, I watch how Pritzker, Pritzker still operates as though we're in a pre-Trump era where there's a game you sort of play by the the official rules. Well, we've studied the budget. Uh, this is our, our preliminary budget. This is what we're going to be addressing. Uh, you selectively release bits and pieces of it uh, so you get positive press. And then you give a speech where you try to appeal as a bipartisan leader of the state that you're interested uh, in the Republican view, you're interested in the Democratic view. This is not how the game is really played in politics today. It's like politics today, it is, it's just like coliseum and it's the christians versus the lions you know it's like people fighting for survival donald trump it's very much a partisan game you attack anybody that dares to disagree with you uh it's there is no working across the aisle so it's interesting that jb pritzker is sort of playing by rules that existed before uh trump and existed before uh, Blagojevich in the state of Illinois. Uh, these are the old school rules. Uh, former Governor uh, Pat Quinn, good friend of the show, he also played by those rules. PQ, what's up? He played by those rules, and that's why I always said, Pat, you're playing by these rules. The other side's not playing by these rules, so you ended up getting played. Uh, and uh, so what's interesting, J.B. Pritzker is still pretending as though we have bipartisan spirit in the state of Illinois and the politics in this country. Good God, if he signs on to a fair map proposal, that'll be a true sign of insanity. I hope he doesn't do that. But uh, anyway, interesting when I hear you read uh, that story and talk about the calm approach of Pritzker, like he's, you know, measured statements and views of the world. And then I contrast it to Donald Trump and how he uh, runs the White House. It's almost as though there are two different political universes. Yeah, J.B. Pritzker, in year two of being Illinois governor, we've come to learn with J.B. Pritzker that you can take the big feller out of the city, but you can't take the city out of the big feller because when the governor has no public events scheduled, there's a good chance 
He's in Chicago. But I really hope he's hanging at the governor's mansion in Springfield today, because if so, he could spend a little time with our Chicago mayor. This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Yes, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is at the state capitol this <laughs> afternoon. Why? Well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, uh, Ben Jarofsky. Mm-hmm. It's round two of trying to convince the Illinois lawmakers to consider lowering the tax rates on a Chicago casino. Because according to Lightfoot, if the tax rates aren't lowered, then big gambling companies won't bid on on operating a casino in Chicago. Yes, yeah, so in other words, won't make enough money from the suckers and saps who gamble and throw away their money because, guys, it's a losing proposition. That's why they have gambling casinos because it's set up so you lose. But uh, so anyway, they're not going to make enough money. They got to give them a bigger take. Well, it always, I've been saying this all along, who's going to lose? So some rich head of the gambling casino wins. Is it the state? Is it the city? Are they going to split it down the middle? So I, you know, listen, I, I, they set up the rules one way that was to be given a third, a third, a third, the city, the state and the casino ruler. Uh, then Lori Life had suddenly said, it's not enough money for the casino operators. We need to cut back the amount the city or the state or both take. I would like to see the go out for bids. Let's see. Let's see. What? You tell me nobody wants in on this lucrative contract? Nobody? Or is it just, is there somebody already in the mix who said, I want a bigger stake? I don't know. It's a hard thing to sell. This is what I'm saying, folks. It's like the legal stuff that we just accept and tolerate, like front page of the Tribune story in the TIFF deal, where Sterling Bay wrote the TIFF report, Suckers and Saps in Chicago. City says it deserves it. Turns out the report was written by uh, Sterling Bay. And now we have a situation where we're going to take a little of uh, the money that's uh, suckers and saps who gamble are going to give uh, to the casino, uh, to um, the state and the city and give it to the owners. It's the stuff that legal that really bothers me more than Rob Bogoyevich on the phone trying to cut a deal with uh, the Obama people on who replaces Obama as senator. All right. And finally, corruption. Apparently, two other states do it better than Illinois, but no city does it better than Chicago. That's correct. The following comes from Block Club <laughs> Chicago. Hannah Alani, I may have butchered that last name, and Heather Sharon, according to a new report from the University of Illinois at Chicago, Chicago remains America's most corrupt city. Uh, The author of that report, I believe, was Dick Simpson. Well, you're... (laughs) The report, co-authored by UIC professor and former alderman Dick Simpson, Mr. Impatient over here. Who's impossible to get a hold of. I'm really busy. It's based on... He always tells me that, too. I'm... (laughs) I'm so busy. Every time I interview Dick Simpson, he always starts off the conversation by telling me how busy, how busy he, is. he is. I'm really busy. In other words, let's harumph, get this inter- conversation over with fast. Okay, I'm going to talk really fast with my questions. Blah, 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 blah. Here's the quote from Simpson. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No, the quote from Simpson. Quote, our study shows that Chicago remains the most corrupt city in the United States with 1,750 total public corruption convictions from 1976 through 2018. This number is even more troubling when compared to the second place city, Los Angeles, which has had 200 fewer convictions in that time period. All right, so we counted convictions. I stand by what I said. The stuff that's really outrageous is the stuff that's perfectly legal, like front page of the Chicago Tribune. Let's give uh, Hal Dardick credit. They come up with a TIF eligibility report. Guess who authored it? A bunch of experts, quote unquote, hired by the developers getting the money. They watch your mouth, buddy. I think you're going to curse. I guess that that's totally legal, but somehow or other, that's less corrupt than some knucklehead 
passing on a $5,000 bribe. Just saying, Maya. Just the, it's the legal stuff that really irritates me. Illinois remains the third most corrupt state. Ah, we'll get to one, number one eventually. Right? Wait, we're only number three? Yeah, we're number three. Who's? Whoa, okay, I cut you off again. Well, I mean, I don't have that information, but I would assume New York and California? I don't know. It said Los Angeles on there. I'm looking at my. I'm thinking, who's number one? I mean, honestly, I feel like corruption in New York is really kind of child's play compared to the stuff that goes on here. So I don't know, man. There's some weird stuff that's going down in the, and New Jersey's no joke either. Jersey is a corrupt place. Yeah, Jersey is a corrupt Jersey, place. I mean, they're all yeah. corrupt. I don't know, like, why Chicago acts like. I don't know if Chicago's any more corrupt than Cleveland. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Right. Just picking on Cleveland. Or Cleveland <laughs> listeners out there. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I don't study Cleveland. We're obsessed with petty corruption in the city of Chicago. Louis Arroyo passing on a bribe, you know what I'm saying? Or taking a bribe. Uh, so, you better get that story right. Yeah, no, it's the taking, not the passing. <laughs> Sorry, Louis. Uh, really, what's the difference? But uh, anyway... Um, in terms of corruption, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like Cincinnati, what makes you think Cincinnati's so pure? You know? Illinois remains the third most corrupt state based on the formula that compares the number of each area's corruption convictions with its population, according to the report issued by Simpson and his students. So what they took the number of convictions and they made a ratio compared to the number of people who live in the whoa. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? That's why he's so busy. He's thinking of yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm busy. He's busy with the important questions. But yeah. it doesn't say who the first and second ranked states are. No, I can take a look and I'll see if I can find that when we come back. All right, let's make a bet. I say number one is New York. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go with Dennis. I'm going to just go based on sheer population. I think all cities. Well, it's like Los Angeles was the you know number You're two. You're saying convictions per population. Is that what the measure is? Convictions? Yes. Could be uh, Louisiana. Mm. There's not a lot of people in Louisiana. It's pretty corrupt. Or Texas. There's a lot of people in Texas. Oh, man. This is the kind of gambling game that you lose your money at the at the, uh, at the the casinos doing, trying to figure this no out. No gambling on the All show. All right, I say New York and Louisiana. We'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. We'll go to the live stream chat room real quick. Today's question on the live stream chat, what's the first thing Rod Blagojevich is going to do when being released from prison? Uh, let's see here. Shout out to Alan. What's going on, Alan? Have you been on the live stream chat before? Are you new? What's going on? Uh, Alan says Blago is going to his beautician to get his hair dyed. <laughs> That's right. He's, his hair's turned uh, gray or white or whatever. So yeah. silver fox. I say keep it uh, keep it uh, undyed. Charlie Fox. All right. We got more. Uh, well, weigh in. Let us know what you think Rob Blagojevich is going to do when released from prison. We'll be re- uh, reading your comments throughout today's program. I mean, if it's not absurdly foul. We'll read it. And uh, don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show will be right back. Our Chicago Reader colleague Maya Duke-Mosva is with us. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, 
Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Trump commuted Blago sentence. Trump commuted Blago sentence. I'm really happy about that, folks. First thing Trump's done that I've liked. Uh, 14 years was ridiculous. And plus the utter freaking hypocrisy, and I'll say this again and again, of the Republican Party in the state of Illinois, how they pretend as though they're cracking down on corruption uh, when they look the other way at all the stuff that's quote-unquote legal, all right, and uh, part, uh, up to their eyebrows in politicians like Rom, Daly, Ed Burke, Every now and then they get outraged at Blago. Yes, sir. Shout out to Roe. He put on the live stream chat. Blago's going to hold a press conference as soon as he's out, praising Trump to the heavens and denouncing the Democratic candidates. That's part of the deal. That is part of the deal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's exactly what he's going to do. And now, having said all this, my beloved Democratic voters in the state of Illinois, my beloved Democratic voters throughout the country, if you're so stupid as to vote for Donald John Trump, because he commuted Rob Lagoyevich's sentence, you should give up your voting rights. That's all I'm saying, all right? This is an inside deal. You're right. You know what? And uh, Dennis pointed out, I had forgotten this, mm-hmm. Maya, that Blago was a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. So you know how Trump's universe is. Oh, he's a good guy. He was on my show, you know? And um, all right, but this is what I really want to talk about. Okay. Uh, this The breaking news about Blago is the big breaking news in Illinois and Chicago, yes. But the big breaking news outside of Illinois and Chicago is that Michael Bloomberg surges in poll and qualifies for Democratic debate in Vegas. That's this Wednesday's debate. After garnering 19%, Maya, 19% support in a national poll, the billionaire will be on the debate stage uh, where he is certain to be a target of onstage criticism. <laughs> Can the Joe Biden campaign even spell 19%? Ooh, dang. It's wild. 19%. 19% is no joke. Uh, Bernie is number one with 31% in the mm-hmm. latest poll. And uh, let's see, it's just all sort of d- divided uh, from there. Uh, the big the debate will be this Wednesday at eight o'clock. It'll be on NBC News, uh, MSNBC. I'm not feeling MSNBC these days, my. I just got to tell you that. Neither am I. I no longer have any access to their programming. My, I don't have cable. I don't have any kind of apps that I'm signed up for that would allow me to watch it. So really, not feeling anything with regards to MSNBC anymore. Well, I, okay, so you're not feeling because you don't have access to them. I never had access to them, but uh, last week we were just. They're anti-Bernie tilt. Even Rachel Maddow? She's got an anti-Bernie tilt? Well, you know what? I should amend. I should keep Rachel Maddow out of the conversation because yeah, I don't keep, watch. Keep no, her, I don't watch her show. Keep, her, keep Rachel out <laughs> of this. I'm throwing them all under the bus. But, you know, I, I just watch their uh, post, uh, you know, their uh, post New Hampshire coverage, mm-hmm. their post Iowa coverage. This is the stuff I watch on the, on the internet. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're, you're the liberals. Like, you're supposed to pretend you're the liberals or the lefties, whatever they are. you got to at least pretend that you care about the Bernie people and the party. He's 30 percent of the party. Mm. They, they act as though like it's this radical fringe that's corrupting the real Democratic Party. Do you come about He's 30 percent, 31 percent there. Everybody's talking about we're, we're talking about Bloomy with his 19. But Bernie is 31 percent. So yeah. I, I got my issues with uh, MSNBC on that. One. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, man, this Michael Bloomberg thing is getting serious. It's getting serious. Like, I, I was listening to the, the, today's episode of The Daily, which was all about, uh, his candidacy and the way that he's financed this campaign and kind of the way he's developed a, 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 a enormous amount of political influence 
in the country, not through campaign donations and support for particular politicians, but through his philanthropy. Every single kind of liberal, left-leaning, center-left nonprofit in the country, whether it's about, you know, public health issues, guns, uh, all of that stuff, they receive a lot of money from Michael Bloomberg. And there was this incredible moment that the reporter in the in in the episode describes of Michael Bloomberg coming to Washington to have a meeting with a bunch of moderate uh, Congress people. Um, usually, in these situations, when there's some kind of power broker, uh, people, you know, approach the conversation as a sort of like, well, what are you going to do for me if I support this or that thing for you? The conversation that people were having with Michael Bloomberg began with, and and this was based on two sources who were at this meeting, according to the reporter, who both described it in this way. As people went around the table introducing themselves, all of them began their, their statements by thanking Michael Bloomberg for everything he had already done for them through his philanthropic activities related to issues that were important to them. So... I, it's really hard to imagine him energizing uh, voters the way that, say, Obama did, right? It's hard to imagine Michael Bloomberg being the, the, the reason for a big, uh, an unusual turnout. That clearly seems to be more of something that Bernie would be able to accomplish. But so far, the turnout in Iowa and New Hampshire, from what I understand, has not been record-breaking. Uh, New Hampshire. Was oh, Iowa was down. New Hampshire was up. Up, up, like up more than last time or up like record-breaking up? Well, record-breaking, I don't know. It was up more than last time. I don't know if it was record-breaking, so I don't know. I just read about this and I'm looking for the exact total, but I can't find it here. Um, anyway. I think basically if if the turnout if the turnout situation is not going to vastly improve if we're not going to see like start to see like really huge upticks in turnout around the country then the people the 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 kind of reliable voters the people who everyone is obsessed with flipping etc like a lot of those people are I think going to be pretty uh swayable for Bloomberg they're going to be pretty they're they're it's going to be possible to capture those votes well i could i don't think he can convince i don't think he's a candidate that he's that's going to really mobilize people who don't normally vote but i think he is a kind of candidate that's going to be attractive to the mayor pete klobuchar biden Biden axis yeah he's already stealing their votes He's already, it's, and I gotta, I gotta And you know what the Lakefront Liberals, Ben? Yes. The Chicago Lakefront Liberals. They'll vote for Michael Bloomberg. They love Michael Bloomberg. They'll vote for him over Mayor Pete, some of them. Oh my God, they've already thrown Mayor Pete out the window. (laughs) Are you kidding? Sorry, Mayor Pete. We actually have a quote from uh, Bloomberg on his uh, recent jump in the polls. Oh, Oh, wait. It's just the sound of money. No words. So here's the deal. My, our show, we we have a lot of Bernie people come through this show. We have a lot of Bernie uh, listeners on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't know if Maya has officially declared who she's voting for, but I know the spirit of Maya is very Bernie, okay? Uh, whether she wants to admit it or not. And uh, so. Listen, the Chicago Reader can't have two political columnists. You do understand okay, that, right? That's fine. But I'm just I, talking I have, to- I, I, I really need to keep this job, Ben. <laughs> okay. But I'm just telling you the spirit that emanates from you, okay? When you're just not thinking about things and you're just. Being Maya, you know, going on a when riff. I'm not thinking about things, <laughs> you know, okay. The consequences of what you're saying, and you're just riffing <laughs> like Hendrix on guitar. That's like, wow! All of a sudden, the headphones are really popping. I like it, man. Good job. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so anyway, the spirit of Bernie is very strong in this show. All right, let's just let's be and animated you, by the spirit. Yeah. So, I know Bernie supporters. They're not. To put it mildly, in any way enticed by Bloomberg. And so I'm telling Michael Bloomberg's people, Michael Bloomberg's people are essentially in this city, in this state, my the same crowd that elected Rom. Okay? Mm-hmm. And their attitude toward Bernie supporters is F them. We don't need them. We can win without them. Just shut up, get in line, and you know, we're just gonna, we don't care if you're mad at us. In fact, we'll use your being mad at us as a way to win over lakefront liberals. Mm-hmm. And so so they've existed in this world. They're not winning this election against Donald John Trump without Bernie's support. If Bloomberg is able to capture this nomination, I'm not conceding anything on this point. I think it's a wide open race still. Bernie's still ahead, 31 to 19, even with all the commercials uh, in the latest poll. But let's say Bloomy is the the nominee. You, you can't treat Bernie supporters with the utter disdain that Rom treats lefties or that Rom treats the Chicago Teachers Union or even that Lori treats the Chicago Teachers Union. You cannot treat people on the left like you know, they're dust. You know what I mean? They're, they're dandruff on your shoulders just to brush them off. You have to appeal to Bernie supporters somehow. I don't know how the heck Mike Bloomberg, with his record, I just did a story for the reader on this point, going through his record. It's it's pretty atrocious if you're a lefty. And so I don't know how they're going to do that pivot. I'm not, if he is the nominee, mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to start at the convention because there's probably going to be a fierce f- fight. Uh, it, there could be a brokered convention, Amaya. And so... I don't like a fractured like a fractured convention like what they thought might happen at uh, at the RNC when Trump was nominated. Yes, we uh, we had Maggie Wonderly on, uh, Bernie Sanders delegate extraordinaire. We should bring her to one of our shows. She she knows the uh, rules inside and out. Mm-hmm. She was explaining the rules. Maggie Wonderly from Kane County, uh, a Bernie delegate who spent four years, okay, in the rooms where they were. Uh, discussing rules and arguing among themselves, the Democrats, different factions with the mm-hmm. Democrats. Now here comes Bloomy, boom, with 19, <laughs> with all his billions. He's not 19%, so he bypasses the rule they set up about f- fundraising ability. They changed the rule to allow him on the debate stage. So mm-hmm. anyway, I was talking to her, and it, it could very well be a brokered convention, at which point um, all the delegates are free to vote for whoever they want at the convention floor. And there's just this incredible wheeling and dealing in Milwaukee, uh, you know, behind the scenes, Lord knows <laughs> what's being promised and et cetera. I, I don't know what Bloomberg can say or do to win over uh, Bernie voters. I don't know. Do you think it's possible? No, but I think that what is possible is uh, like 
he's not going to win over Bernie voters, but Bernie voters may be demoralized enough to. I mean, the, 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 at the end of the day, your, your question is about whether or not he's what he's going to do to win over Bernie, Bernie people for the nomination. Mm-hmm. Mm, he'll focus his energy on everything else except for them. Uh, and later on down the line, the question is, will Bernie voters turn out to vote for Bloomberg? And I think a lot of them will not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but. No, no I, I think that uh, as it now stands, as it now stands, and again, we're in February, so we have a long way to go uh, on this thing. But as it now stands, uh, I do not believe uh, a significant number of Bernie uh, supporters will support uh, Michael Bloomberg. No, they won't. They won't, and they'll stay at home. And so Michael Bloomberg... And Well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Michael Bloomberg have to come up with a, a new combination to win. And I don't know if, there, if that combination is out there. And you don't think he can win without them? I do not believe that... Uh, 31%. Right now, they're at thirty-one percent, or a third of the party, mm-hmm. and and see, this is what mainstream centrist Dems—they just—they have such disdain uh, for the Bernie crowd. But the Bernie crowd is now thirty percent, at least, of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and I've never seen an attempt by mainstream Dems to win over the Democrat. You should hear the stuff they tell me off the record. How much they hate the Bernie, how much they hate Bernie, how much they hate his supporters. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I don't know yeah. what they're going to do to win over Bernie supporters. And so part of me thinks, you know, if they follow the Rom strategy, you know how Rom ran for re-election in this city. He didn't care about the people that read your stories. You know what I'm saying? The people that are outraged by the things that you wrote about. You didn't care mm-hmm. about them. You mm-hmm. wrote them off. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, sorry, Rom. Uh, and, uh, and, these are the same people, like I said, essentially running Bloomberg's campaign. This yeah. is how Bloomberg ran in New York. Yeah. I mean, Rom filed the playbook that Bloomberg wrote when Bloomberg came before Rom. Yeah. It's um it's it's kind of it's kind of bleak. I guess I'm feeling kind of low energy about th- this whole situation because it's just something that I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of it it feels like some kind of an inevitability is creeping in with this Bloomberg candidacy. Like, this is exactly what would happen. This is like kind of the historical the historical precedent is not is not on the side of the, some kind of real huge swing to the left happening in these present circumstances. Like. This is, this is, um, I don't know. I feel like this is the time when uh, oligarchs and plutocrats are going to continue to gain ground. And the thing is that it's not about Bernie not doing enough or there not being enough supporters or not that, that message not resonating enough. It's not about that. It's about the combination of, I mean, the amount of money around Michael Bloomberg is... It, it, it's just unfathomable to most people. Like it's, it's like you, people don't even know where his money comes from. Like people don't understand how integral this person and his company is to like the way global capitalism runs. Like this person created something without which our the, the like the current 
financial like kind of world order could not exist. So the 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 politics, everything else, the philanthropy that comes out of that, the policy, whatever, it's all it, it all just trickles down from this like source, this like much deeper source of power and money. And I don't know. I just uh, that combined with the ongoing foreign interference from Russia and maybe elsewhere, and that long decades long process of voter disenfranchisement, suppression, and gerrymandering. Like the cocktail is just like, you know, like the like the 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 level of turnout needed to counter to counteract those forces is like monumental much bigger than for obama you know and and the odds that you know somebody like bernie is facing now with getting that turnout are much steeper the the road is much steeper than it was for obama to get that turnout so we need more you need more and it's harder to get it (laughs) so um yeah i don't know and the, the the question also that I that I that, that that was discussed on this episode of the Daily today was also the inroads Bloomberg has made in the black community and the degree to which like how the process by which he's doing reputation management and reputation repair despite the stop and frisk despite the like tremendously Islamophobic policies he had in New York City um, uh, with like mosque raids and all of that stuff he's he he's like i don't know i wonder what brandon johnson would think about this but i think that uh a lot of there, there's reason to believe he could be much more successful gaining traction among established um reliable likely voters in the black community than bernie uh when it comes to capturing the Biden people, you know, the the Biden voters in the black community. So I don't know. Well, this is where I must... He's, work, he's doing a lot of work there. Yeah. And he's got so much money that he's funneled into so much municipal politics. Like Michael Bloomberg's money is 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 getting school board candidates elected in California and in, in, in other places. Like it... it like the amount of money he's funneled into the Bay Area politics is like off the charts. Yeah. Like, we, like the this octopus is like literally so big you can't even see all parts of it at, at once. You know, so I don't know. And nobody wants to touch. Nobody wants to touch anything that might jeopardize the cash flow from him to their issues. So this. You know, you asked me when we were talking on the phone before beforehand about, uh, you know, this all this the, the sexual harassment stuff that's come out. I mean, it made no difference with the Trump base. But like this, this, this is. If, if people were jaded and disappointed and outraged and shocked about how little difference it made for Trump for this stuff to come out, that people really didn't care about this stuff, uh, and voted for him anyway, that that's like, you know, I feel like it was a moment where a lot of especially, you know, liberal people in this country were like, wow, people in this country really hate women. Like, (laughs) yeah, but this, this will be like an even starker relief with Bloomberg because it's not even just like voters in this country hate women. It's, it's, it's the fact that like all these organizations, Emily's List, 
all of these organizations that are about female empowerment, about getting women elected, about gun control, about mothers and children, all of they are going to not jeopardize their cash flow for Michael Bloomberg. You're not going to hear them out there denouncing. You're not going to hear Emily's list denouncing Bloomberg because something like 17 of the 23 candidates that he helped elect in 2018 were women. It's like it, there's just no uncompromised position for these giant organizations. Every town, you know, these massive, massive, m- massive liberal organizations. They, they, <laughs> that's when you get to like, that's when you'll see what's what's actually far more outrageous than like the kind of ingrained interpersonal toxic masculinity that allows like a bunch of women to stand up and say, we don't care what Trump, you know, who who he sexually assaulted or what kind of things he said on that bus and whatever. Like this, this is like this is institute. This is this is like institutional affirmation that really all of this stuff doesn't matter. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, it, none of this should be shocking at all. Uh, not like, but I just, I, 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 I don't think that this country in a sort of historical context in where we are right now uh is gonna i don't i i i don't know if there's enough fervor to revolt against this in this moment like <laughs> like the, the what what the, the things that potentiate revolutions and i'm not I'm, I'm talking about like real revolutions not like you know let's have uh, let's have a system that's like more like Germany or Sweden, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the day, Bernie, you know, like social democratic kind of principles. This this is like pretty, this is, this is pretty basic stuff. Like this is not, this is not revolutionary by any stretch of the imagination. How, how, however you might want to brand it as the Bernie campaign, that's not revolutionary. Um, this, this country has moved leftwards in the wake of massive, like, ontological crises like great depression you know there was a brief brief moment after the civil war you know reconstruction period there was some you know some brief moment some brief movement uh leftwards and then you know after the great depression and even that was like severely compromised like this nothing nothing here like just nothing there hasn't been a sufficiently large crisis here for michael bloomberg to like no longer matter for Michael Bloomberg to be like, um, yeah, un- unsuccessful in his endeavor. Like I-, I really struggle to imagine what might happen that would derail his candidacy. It, it, well, derail his candidacy to win the Democratic nomination. Not you be defeating Donald Trump is a whole other ball game. But to to get that you're talking about to get the Democratic nomination and. Um, Man, that was a great Maya riff, by yeah, the way. This we, is... we talk about Maya riffs. Uh, remember I told you? Uh, you never know. Uh, that lefty side of her is going to come out. But when I was listening to the, the couple things that you said, uh, one point I got to give a shout out to David Seaton, who's been a guest on this show, and he was a uh, he's a very much of a centrist. Uh, and uh, he's a, a talk show host with a T. Boo Buchanan uh, on WVON. And his... We had it. He he debated uh, a, a Bernie Sanders supporter, 
uh, on the show. It was a very interesting debate. And what Seton was saying about the black community and the black vote, he was saying, by and large, it's a very pragmatic, practical vote, voter, particularly the older black voters. Uh, and they're going to go with the person that they think uh, has the best chance of winning. And when you were talking uh, about the shift that you're seeing already in polls from away from Biden, uh, by black voters. And I have to smile about it because at first when Biden was getting that support, I would listen to voters saying, well, you know, he was with uh, Barack Obama and he stood by him. So I got loyalty and well, open window, throw out loyally. Uh, Michael Bloomberg's the new pretty face on the block. He's got the money, practical voters. I think that just speaks to a certain amount of quote unquote practicality. Like who can win? Money wins. Let's not kid ourselves. This is the system that we have. It's a system driven by money and the ability to control the internet and the ability to control the message that you see in the boob tube. And so voters, they follow the game and they know what the game is. Money wins when you don't have the id harnessed. Like Donald Trump, let's remember, was not the money candidate, not compared to Hillary Clinton. But he harnessed he harnessed a kind of uh he harnessed the id he harnessed a pop he this is populism you know this he harnessed the kind of energy that people went out there not with the thought of like who can i vote for that's most likely to win or you know this is like the interviews with people in iowa about who were they, they were in a caucus for like who do i who do other people like who do i yes. vote for that other people like that is the exact opposite of the energy on which trump wants won this election yeah. like that is totally the opposite thing from what got that guy elected mm-hmm. the what got that guy elected is a lot of people going out there and saying fuck it i'm voting for the guy who's saying the stuff i'm only able to say in my head and I feel uncomfortable living in this country not being able to say it out loud. And this guy makes it okay for me to say it out loud. So I'm going to vote for this guy. You know, like that, you can't, like the money can beat that. But I think in a context of like pretty intense voter suppression, pretty intense, like just general level of apathy, l- lack of energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, because to be, in that context, for in order for money not to win, you need something that harnesses these kind of more, uh, th- this kind of excitement and energy on a personal level that's like way more intense than anything Michael Bloomberg can generate in people. All right, our next guest, Justin Horowitz, is on deck. He's ready to talk. We got the three Bs. Uh, Dennis, I can't believe you didn't think of this. You're Mr. Alliteration. Bernie. Bloomberg and Blago, three Bs. We're Holy t- Lord, yeah, man! Whoa! <laughs> and uh, the third one, Reefer. Oh wait, that's not a B. Anyway, uh, uh, he'll be talking about Bernie Blago and uh, Bloomberg. Can Bernie beat? Can the people beat the money in the Democratic primary? We're going to talk to Justin Horwitz about that. Before we let Maya go, Maya, let's promote, promote, promote. March third. March third, our first Tuesday's roadshow. <laughs> Everyone should come through with the Promontory in Hyde Park at six o'clock. We're going to have some very special guests um, discussing uh, the um, Super Tuesday. Uh, we're going to have a, like it's a super, it's a pre-Super Tuesday event panel discussion. You want to. Yeah, I'm just going to say I'm so excited. We got Jeanette Taylor, the older woman of the 20th Ward, and she's with Bernie. We got Delmarie Cobb, the legendary political strategist, both frequent guests on our show. Delmarie is a Hillary Clinton supporter. So we're going to have a, a wide we, range. And of we have Kofi Adamola, who is an organizer, super progressive, lefty, um, 
organi- organizer, uh, co-founder of a bunch of uh, organizations that are doing abolitionist work in the city. So we've got a real left perspective Holy as well. Cow. This sounds yeah. amazing. When is it? Yeah. Uh, March 3rd. Where? 6 p.m. at the Promontory in Hyde Whoa. Park. And it's free. <laughs> free? Whoa. Whoa. For Whoa. all of our... Free? <laughs> free 99 for all of our <laughs> beloved audience members who, who usually show up at the hideout. Uh, you know, I don't know what kind of commute people do to, to get there, but hopefully it's an enticement to come join us um, at, in Hyde Park uh, because, you know, that's $5. You don't have to pay to see us that night. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> and uh, Dr. D will be there signing autographs. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All two of you. Come on by. Uh, and uh, my, I just know you like this clip. We played it earlier. I don't think you were here. Yay for our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. <laughs> uh, that governor of ours, Bruce Rauner. Uh, well, maybe, maybe Bruce Rauner is going to be there. Oh, yeah, man. Maybe not. He'll be signing <laughs> autographs. Uh, <laughs> come on. Do, do your Bruce Rauner. Uh, that's uh, that's, it. that's <laughs> just a sound. Mode. All right, Maya. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Justin Horwitz on deck. We're getting ready to talk three Bs, Bernie, Blago, and Bloomberg. We'll be right back. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For a Showtime and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. 